tonight. And Lord, we're thankful for each one that is here tonight, that we can gather together in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we can lift our voice in prayer and know that you hear us. And Lord, know that you want to do a work in our hearts and lives. Lord, we're thankful that you love us just the way we are. But we're even more thankful that you won't let us stay that way, that you desire to change us and mold us to the image of Christ. We ask that your work would be done in our lives. And Lord, that we would keep in our mind and foremost in our hearts that our first duty is to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's... Take our Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 to start with tonight. And a little bit in way of review, um, as we are dealing with the issue of forgiveness. And of course, our overall context of this series is truth or imitation. Uh, We started there, there is a true message from the true God and Just as there is a true message from the true God, the devil has his emissaries out there imitating, uh, giving a false message. And uh, just as many have a true salvation, the Bible tells us there are many more that do not possess a true salvation. In fact, Jesus said there would be many that would say unto him in that day, Lord, Lord. And it's interesting, in the Bible, the only people that use his name twice are those who do not possess it, uh, those who are not saved. And, and it just seems to echo the, uh, the general truth that we know is when somebody uh, continually uh, tells you something and tries to convince you, uh, just like, uh, someone says, I'm telling the truth. I'm honestly telling the truth this time. You know that that person is accustomed to telling many lies, or at least people believe that about him. Otherwise, he wouldn't be protesting his innocence so much. That's why I always get nervous. You can really believe this. The best deal. I know it can't be because they wouldn't be putting the pressure if it really was. And uh, a lot of people try to treat God that way. And as we are dealing with the subject of forgiveness, we have to understand there, there are many, many imitations out there. And, and we went through uh, the idea of trying to pay back, trying to give back what you took, uh, trying to forget about it, uh, uh, trying to uh, control the situation and pretend nothing ever happened. Uh, probably the saddest one of all is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry doesn't change anything. It doesn't change a blessed thing. That's not forgiveness. There are many people who believe that if they could just get enough sorrow, and the Bible talks about Esau, who could not find repentance, though he carefully sought it with tears. He he, he was sorry for the way things worked out. But as he went back through, he said, I couldn't have done anything else. I had to do what I did. I was starving. I would have died if I hadn't sold my birthright. And um, as we go on here, we understand from the Bible uh, that in order for there to be true biblical forgiveness... There must be a complete and satisfactory payment made. And of course, the only payment for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. The only satisfaction that God will accept. And that's every sacrifice in the Old Testament pictured this. God's forgiveness changes us. You know, it's what everything in the Bible is all about. Salvation, your salvation is not for God's benefit. It is for ours. It gives us the opportunity and the ability to speak to God. Everything that God does is for our benefit, and yet we question Him. Uh, Every step of the way, Lord, do you really know what you... Yes, He does know what He's doing. He does know what's best. If we would only surrender... 
to what God has for us, we would be in the absolute best place that we possibly could. And so tonight what I want to do is I was just going through things. I felt like we didn't get enough of the practical application here. And so we're going to try to do that tonight. And we'll get to Hebrews chapter 10 in just a minute. But let's just look here in Second Corinthians chapter 7. And we will start in verse 10. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness wrought it in you? Yea, what clearing of yourselves? Yea, what indignation? Yea, what fear? Yea, what zeal? Yea, what revenge in all things ye have approved yourselves clear in this matter. And so as Paul is trying to explain, he had written a letter to the Corinthians and they felt bad. They were made sorry. And he's saying, at first, I just hate making people sorry, but then I realized that that was the work, not the work of Uh, an angry preacher, but the work of the Holy Spirit of God helping you to sorrow after a godly sort. You see, just being sorry, just as we talk about forgiveness, it doesn't work. But godly sorrow makes things happen. There are those that would disregard the word repentance and say that it has no part in the gospel message. I don't know how you read your Bible and come to that conclusion. Uh, it was Jesus himself said, Yea, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And one more uh, slam at the Calvinist, if we may. How can you repent if God is the one that chooses you to be saved? If you have nothing to do with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, how can you abide or obey the biblical command to repent? Uh, that's... Again, just uh, it is a doctrinal system that is so full of holes, and yet, <clears throat> for some strange reason, all those that claim to be educated and intelligent and uh, just seem to be drawn like uh, moths to a flame, we might say, uh, to to that doctrinal set there. And we have to, of course, be careful. The pendulum swings both ways as those who would say, God's forgiven all sin, so don't worry about it. Well, wait a minute. That's not the way it works. Forgiveness does some things. And look at the list of the things that it does. And we don't have time to go through this whole list here tonight. But when you sorrow after a godly sort, as you seek repentance, which brings forgiveness, which is salvation, by the way, what happens? It makes you careful first. It helps you understand something. God is the one who has done all the work of saving me. God is the one who does the work of forgiving me. It is God's work, and we need to be careful, not careless. Uh, We've often alluded to the t-shirt, Jesus is my homie. Boy, I I just hope I never... I've I've seen that t-shirt one time. And uh, fortunately, I had enough grace to just turn around and walk the other way. Uh, it just angers me that we would debase God to my best buddy or something like that because that's not the way it works, my friend. He's not the old man upstairs. He is the one that died on the cross to forgive us each and every sin. Carefulness. We, we need to understand if we're going to have this thing called forgiveness, what is it? Carefulness. A clearing of yourselves. How do you clear yourself? Well, on earth, the best way to clear yourself is to blame somebody else for what you did, right? 
Is that what the Bible's talking about? Absolutely not. If we're careful, we bring our sins to God. That's, that's the clearing of ourselves. God gives us the opportunity to confess our sin, to tell Him about each wrong that we have done. Does God require that so that He'll be sure to forgive us for the sins? No. But what God does is He allows us to go through this process of dealing with our sin, bringing it to God, confessing it to Him, and obtaining that forgiveness. That's what is so wonderful about a true relationship with God. Because when we deal, and we'll talk about this in a few moments, when we deal with other people, they tell us they forgive. But they don't. Only God can bring forgiveness between two people. That's why you've got to get it straight with God first. That's why you have to deal with it. And, and as we go through this list very carefully, indignation. Who, to whom is that indignation expressed? That, that anger, that resentment toward ourselves and what we did. We condemn ourselves and we show ourselves you know, one of the greatest tricks that psychology uses to try to help people is transference. Is you blame somebody else. It's really not your fault. It's, uh, that's why you hear these people running around trying to say, well, you know, this whole problem with ISIS and, and radical Islam is that they, they just have been underprivileged and they're coming to take what we have. You'll hear people say this all the time. Nothing could be further from the truth. They have become a prey of a religion that teaches hatred. And the only thing that they believe in is domination. Because that's the way their religion works. The Quran gives three options. Conversion, slavery, or death. Uh, if you read the Quran, that's what it teaches. Don't believe people when they tell you, oh, the reason they're criminal, no, the reason they're a criminal is because they chose. No, the CIA wasn't there forcing them to do it. Uh, even with Donald Trump as our president, that doesn't happen. Uh, it just gets ridiculous and more ridiculous as you listen to people here. The thing is, we can be honest with the Bible, with ourselves, with the fact that we come up short of God's glory and understand that I have forgiveness still because it is Jesus that paid the price, not me. Can we say amen to that? And as we understand this thing of forgiveness, let's just finish here. Yea, what fear? Fear of what? Well, the fear of the Lord would certainly fit in there. Amen? How about the fear to go out and do the same thing over again? That would be a good thing to put in there, would it not? That the godly sorrow would work these things Vehement desire, uh, yea, what revenge? Uh, the word revenge simply means to get even. You know the best way to get even with the devil? Obey God. Amen? Do what's right. It says, yea, what zeal. Uh, we do not have to be deadpan uh, robotic Christians, we, nor do we have to be controlled by our emotions either. Uh, it, it goes both ways here. And what we're trying to understand as we turn to Hebrews chapter 9, if you would, I mean chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, we, we have a relationship with God that is based on the forgiveness of sins. God is holy. 
He cannot abide sin. And so we come here in verse 9, and this is Jesus speaking, quoting the psalmist. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, the overall context of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 says, For the law, having a shadow. This is talking about understanding the law of God. Its purpose is simply this. To show us how unrighteous we are. If law were just used lawfully, what does it do? It condemns us. But it also cuts us off from every opportunity but one. That's what Paul meant in the book of Galatians as he said the law is our schoolmaster to teach us, to drive us to Jesus Christ. The law makes some demands. This word forgiveness if we understand the Bible meaning, can only come through Jesus Christ. Therefore, if we're going to have it, we've got to go to Jesus. There's nothing you can do. And yet, 99% of everything called religion today that is in operation is a process by which you obtain favor or forgiveness with God. Uh, spoke, uh, spoken to many people. What happens to your sins? I talked to a Catholic person uh, many, many, many over the years. And he said, well, the, the priest forgives my sins. I said, okay, who forgives your priest's sins? Oh, well, the, the bishop above him. I said, well, who does that? He said, well, finally you get to the Pope. He forgives everybody's sins. I said, who forgives the Pope's sins? I said, where you go in this thing is you have a man pronouncing forgiveness upon other men. I said, there's something wrong with that. Because the Pope did not die for you. Someone once accused me, saying, well, you only believe Baptists are saved. And my rejoinder is this, no, I don't. I know a lot of Baptists that aren't saved. Uh, it's not in the church. The church did not die for you. Jesus did. He said, I've come to do thy will. I'm taking away the penalty of the law that I can establish forgiveness. And it says, by the which will, we are sanctified. Now, that word sanctified means made holy. You cannot be made holy without being forgiven. Amen? Now, there's an imitation forgiveness out there where you're made to feel good about all the bad things you've done and nothing ever changes. You see, if you have forgiveness... Your life must change. Amen? What did Jesus save you from? And by the way, this is why you can have an eternal salvation because it's not your works that saved you. If your works save you, then you can undo it. But if it's finished on the cross then you cannot lose what Jesus Christ has done. And this is, as we go on down through here, uh, it says, verse 12, But this man, after that he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting, till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering... He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And we come down here uh, to verse uh, 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest 
by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that is faithful, for he is faithful that promised. Here's what happens is we have people that say they have forgiveness. But they don't want to pray. They don't want to approach God. Well, I know God forgave me for my sins, and God and I have this thing worked out. I'll leave Him alone. He'll leave me alone. That's not forgiveness, my friend. Forgiveness demands my entrance into the presence of God. That's how you get saved. And by the way, that's how you live every day in God's forgiveness. If God cared enough about you to forgive every sin that you've ever sinned, and He has the record, every one is written down, what won't He care about in your life? A proper understanding of forgiveness demands me going to God. The Bible calls it peace with God and the peace of God. Could I challenge you that there is no battle that you will face in this life that is bigger than having the peace of God and peace with God in your life? Could we say amen to that? That is where everything else rests. If I am settled with God, if I am doing what God wants me to do, if I have access to God, that's what it means, into the holiest, the very presence of God, coming before the mercy seat that's uh, also brought out in Hebrews chapter 4, that we have boldness uh, to obtain mercy in time of need and help. Uh, All of those things are here in God's forgiveness. You see, the reason why we have so many problems in the horizontal plane is because we really haven't taken time to get the vertical plane situated. When we are right between us and God, it does not matter what's going on around us. Well, it does, but it's far less important. Maybe that's what the psalmist was saying in Psalm 119 when he said, Perfect peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I've often asked people, I said, you know, we... We're, we're dealing with a problem here. We're dealing with a repeat issue, a, a, a problematic sin. But let me ask you a question. Uh, would you have a problem with that uh, 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 pattern of behavior if Jesus were holding your hand? Would you have a temptation to reach into your pocket and pull out a cigarette if Jesus were holding your hand? That would be impossible to do, wouldn't it? It would, it would be impossible to do so many of these things that we struggle with. You know, it's like the person said, I just lost my temper. Well, if you really did, how do you keep finding it to lose it over and over and over and over again? Amen? Uh, that is not a proper word usage. It is... I am letting go of my temper because it's inside of me. I am letting it out. And by the way, holding it in is just adding a lie, isn't it? The, the problem is you've got to deal with that down deep inside. 
between your relation with your relationship between you and God. Because if we go on here, this thing called forgiveness, sanctification, it gives us access to God in prayer. It allows us to draw nigh with a true heart in verse twenty two, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, no matter how many good things you do, it doesn't take away your conscience of the evil things that you have done, the sins that you have committed. But if we confess our sins as he if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God can fix our conscience. He can take away that burden that would destroy us. And so here we get down to verse uh, 23. Uh, It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now, what is the profession of our faith about? Well, that's me telling you about my relationship with Jesus. That's the profession. I got a profession. God knows I'm saved. I don't need to profess it to Him. That's why He's given us baptism, so that we can profess our faith, so that we can publicly identify with Jesus Christ. And as we hold fast that profession, guess what's going to happen in verse 24? And let us consider one another. How many of you have thought about other people as you go through life? You know, every decision we make affects other people. And if we have this thing called forgiveness, guess what? Forgiveness is going to produce a profession of faith. As I watch... All of these people try to do things to get their sins forgiven, try to pay for sins by themselves. I can profess to them that Jesus paid the price for all of my sins. And it's not by my good or my righteousness that I'm saved. It's by His. Amen? And I can consider one another. I I wish I could spend the whole sermon just on this thing. Because, again, as we talk about fake forgiveness... Fake forgiveness produces an attitude of, well, I dealt with that, why can't you? How many of you have ever run into that? That comes from a perverted understanding of forgiveness. A true understanding of forgiveness says, God's forgiven me, He'll forgive you. Uh, I like the the picture Brother Clayton paints, there's an old saying, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And uh, horses, I guess, get stubborn. Everybody talks about how smart they are, but uh, having learned a little bit about horses, they're, they're not as smart as everybody says they are. In fact, a horse will, will do exactly that. It'll just get stubborn and it won't drink. And if you leave it tied up to the watering trough like they do in all the westerns, most horses would drink themselves to death or eat themselves to death. they got to have a lot of care. And so when you get a horse that won't drink, what do you do? Well, you tie on the feed bag and throw a handful of salt in first. So what are you doing? You're arousing thirst in the horse so that the horse will do what is best for, for him or her, as the case may be. I really believe that that kind of illustrates how we're supposed to help one another. I mean, most of us are very good at provoking. No one has to teach you how to provoke another human being. Isn't that right, Jason? You can get it done. The littlest children know how to get it done, don't they? But this is unto love. 
unto good works. And by the way, if somebody's doing good works because you're manipulating them, that's not what this verse is talking about. Sometimes, yes, we need to encourage people. We haven't seen you church for a while. Hope to see you Sunday. But you better be careful. Because what we want to do is we want to arouse within that person a desire, the same desire that God aroused in us that makes us faithful to church. That's why I don't chase you down. You skip a service. I'm not going to chase you down. I'm going to get a call from pastor. Where were you? I know some pastors that do that kind of stuff. And you know what I found out? You'll get some people to stay in church just because you're on them all the time. But they're not in church for the right reasons. That's not repent. That's not forgiveness. That's not the work that forgiveness does in our hearts. If we will just consider one another, if we'll think about how to literally love one another. I want you to pray. I'm working on the lesson on love, and it is going to be the toughest, one of the toughest lessons I've ever taught because we are so satisfied with fake love. We are so easily satisfied with just that little emotional basting with the brush like you do the turkey in the oven uh, that... When the real thing comes along, most of us are too either lazy or unprepared or unwilling to do what needs to be done to experience that true love that is out there. And it all is attached to forgiveness. Forgiveness is the thing that God does for us because He Loves us. It's the thing that allows us. God could speak to us anytime He wants because He's God. But you can't speak to God and expect Him to hear you until after you've obtained forgiveness. Amen? That's what makes you His child. And as we have this forgiveness, it should... Give us a profession to hold fast to. What hasn't changed in in our world in the last few years? Can somebody tell me something that hasn't changed? Something that's just been rock solid, that never moves? Taxes are going higher, right? Well, not always. They've actually had some tax reductions or reductions and increases. Just love the politicians, don't you? But I want you to stop and think about something. This book was translated into English 406 years ago. Can you think of anything else that hasn't changed in 406 years? Just stop and think about that. I mean, I read history and I uh, all those wigs and things that the men wore. I am so glad I live in this time period. Amen? Uh I, I, I like my hair just the way it is. I don't want someone else's on top. Uh, and, and people used to do all kinds of crazy things. It's changed. I love horsepower. It is so much cleaner than horses. You don't have to usually sweep up after your car. Amen? Uh, unless something bad happened. Uh, but uh, it, it's just... Things, everything changes. But I'm still reading the exact same words 
And by the way, those words were translated from manuscripts, the newest of which goes back to a hundred years A.D. And I'm reading the same words in English as John wrote in Greek in a hundred A.D. Stop and think about that claim. Oh, I know the Bible scoffers are out there to argue about it. But they'll argue about everything. You see, God gives us a profession. He gives us a consideration for each other. And what's that next one? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but much more as you see the day approaching. One of the ways you can know if you have forgiveness is it doing these things in your life. If it isn't, then you need to check what kind of forgiveness you have because it's going to produce these things. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. And and I've already preached all around this passage, but I want us to just walk through it very quickly here. When you get to that little book of 1 John, it is probably... uh, uh, of any book in the Bible has more misunderstandings attached to it. And we get down to 1 John chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Now, people read that. Boy, I'll tell you what, don't read the commentaries on 1 John chapter 4. Uh, it, is, it is a disaster area. Uh, you talk about a total state of confusion. Just read your Bible. You say, well, that doesn't... Well, let's just walk through it here. Verse 16, it says, We've known and believed the love that God hath to us. How do you do that? By asking Him to forgive you for your sins and believing that He did what He said. Amen? That's salvation. Receiving God's love. You dwell in God's love. He wants His love to do things. That love is going to give you a profession. It's going to give you a consideration for others. It's going to give you an assembly at church where you gather together in His name. It says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. How is Jesus? What is Jesus? Did he rail on the world in which he lives? Did he offer recriminations to those that accused him of being everything and finally condemned him for the only truth that there is, that he is the Son of God, was the only way they could condemn him? Was by agreeing to the truth that Jesus said he is the Son of God. It's absolutely amazing, is it not? Sometimes people believe it's our job to fight against the world and to stop the world from doing all these wicked things. You know how you stop the world from doing wicked things? We could put the abortion clinics out of business tomorrow. If we could just get the young boys and girls and teach them what true love is instead of what lust is. Amen? We could put the tobacco companies out of business if they could learn that confidence and self-confidence is not in fitting into the crowd, but in being in agreement with the God of the Bible. Tell you what, we could put the politicians out of business if people lived the Christian life. Talk about crime going down. I mean, just stop and think about it. And that's the way it used to be in many places here in this country. 
50 and 80 and 100 years ago. Now, this country is not God's kingdom on earth. Please don't get me mixed. Uh, don't think I said that, but I'm not. But what I'm simply saying is, if we will let God's love live in us, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus is doing right now. He is proclaiming his love to the world. That's what we're supposed to do, is bring his message. And what's this next verse say? There is no fear in love. I forget the gentleman's first name. His last name was Alder. But he came up with an entire psychological system. It is one of the... Uh, Adler, I'm sorry. Uh, one of the uh, uh, things that is the cornerstones of, of modern psychology. And it's all based upon fear. He, he built a, hu- a picture of a human being where everything we do is based upon fear. Now, that's not true. But there's a lot of truth in it. A lot of people do things because of fear, don't they? I love the story they tell about the old preacher, John R. Rice. A guy put a gun in his belly and said, Your money or your life? And he said, Don't threaten me with heaven, young man. I'll tell you what. He had his heart in the right place. He wasn't afraid. You know, there are people that will do anything. To save their life. Let me challenge you. If you have nothing worth dying for, you have very little worth living for. And here's what the Bible tells us. You want to get rid of fear? Get full of love. You know why some marriages break up? It's because the husband and the wife are afraid of each other. I've counseled some couples over the years. I was afraid too. Uh, I'll tell you what, because there was no love there at all. It was, I want this and I want that and I'm not getting what I want. And how You can't help that kind of a situation because fear hath torment. How do we get love in our life? We love Him because He first loved us. Have you accepted God's love? If you have not fully accepted God's love for you in forgiveness, this passage is telling us this is why you can't love your fellow man. You've got to get it from God first before you can reach out here. The problem is we all try to reach out here because good people reach out here and I want to be a good person, but if you don't have anything to reach out with, you're actually much more of a problem than you are help. You must get that love that can only come from God and, and that's why it says in verse 20, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath not hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. See, if I accept God's love, this is the difference between an imitation And fake, if I accept God's love and forgiveness, I've got to reach out toward others. And the last little place we want to spend is, how does God's forgiveness apply to me in my life personally? And just, if you're still in 1 John, just go back to chapter 1. And we'll just read a few verses. We'll be done on time tonight or very close to it. It says, That which we have seen, verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him. And declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness 
at all. God created us to have interaction with other human beings. But because of sin, because of how God created us, He wants us to get in touch with Him first before we go out here. And how do we get in touch with Him? That's if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's that simple. When we get things right here, That gives me the peace of God in my heart and the knowledge of the peace with God in my mind. And I can be a word that the world doesn't like. Confident. I'm not self-assured. I'm biblically assured in God's forgiveness. I do not have self-esteem. I have esteem in the Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. And because I can have Christ's esteem, because I can be settled in my mind that God loves me and cares for me, when I reach out to someone else, I have no ulterior motives. You know, we have people that cannot accept love because they're always looking for the string attached. That's because of a perverted understanding. God has no strings attached. That's why it says, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He is the only one you can trust. I like the sign I saw in the store. In God we trust. All others pay cash, right? Uh, The simple truth is, once I trust God, And I am doing what God wants me to do. What can you do to me? The worst thing you can do to me is distract my attention from God. And when that happens, then I get in trouble. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I get back on track. You see, God's forgiveness demands my attention and my presence in the presence of God dealing with my personal sin on a regular, daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis. If I will do that, I then will have what I need To reach out and actually help another person, not because of what I have done, but because of what God has done in me. I am free from trying to get people to please me. And you see, this is what forgiveness truly is. And this is why there's so little of it in our world. If you ever catch yourself saying... To another human being, don't you understand all I've done for you? I mean, the red lights ought to be going off. The doors and the buzzers ought to be sounding and closing. And you you had better find a place with God and get right, right away. I don't know anything more horrible than looking at another human being and giving them a list of things that you have done for them. Wait a minute. Last time I checked, every good thing that comes out of my life has its source in the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Would we say amen to that? You see, that's what forgiveness is about. It's bringing my works to God and leaving them there and asking His works to be done through me. That's how you get saved, right? Let's try that in daily living. Let's not be satisfied with a fake forgiveness, an imitation of forgiveness that makes us feel better about things that we ought not feel better about. A forgiveness that sets me free from 
Oh, if I could only be more sorry for what I did, I would feel better about it. Wrong. God doesn't forgive you based upon your sorrow or sincerity. God forgives you based upon the payment of Jesus Christ. It is finished. That's what it's all about. And that forgiveness ought to reflect itself in my life in certain things. That's one of the reasons why I know uh, we've talked about this a little bit and be done. Uh, we had a fellow visit our, our church and he said, well, I have just a few questions. Well, he didn't have just a few questions. He wanted us to change the understanding of our Bible to match him. And when he found out that that wasn't going to happen on no uncertain terms, uh, he just disappeared. And, and we're very sorry to see that happen, but... We're not going to give opportunity for someone to come in here and pervert the simplicity that is in the Scriptures. The Bible has the answers. But we've got to get past ourselves and our own heart so that we can find that surrender and understand that forgiveness. And that forgiveness will drive us to this book. It will drive us to our knees. It will drive us to our assembly of ourselves together. It will make us considerate of one another. Not in, you better do, no. I'll tell you what we want. The greatest thing that as a pastor I want to see is people choosing without duress, without someone tapping them on the shoulder, except the Holy Spirit of God, to just be obedient to this word. That's when we know God's doing the work. Amen? And you see, forgiveness will make that happen in your life. And forgiveness will demand you reaching out and forgiving others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, we just ask that you would drive home the simple truth of forgiveness. I pray that uh, I've been clear tonight and, and Lord would keep things just as simple as they are in the Bible that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister these words to our hearts and and allow our eyes to be opened and perceive the truth and to live in them. We ask you to do your work for us, through us, in us. Lord, that the only thing that we could do would be to say, it's not about me. It's not who I am. It's who Jesus is. Lord, that we might take that love to the world in which we live. In your name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, maybe you'd like to just slip out, spend a little time at the altar. The altar's open.